0: You ever start a movie late at night after a long day with no intention of finishing it, but it pulls you in? Then you have to talk about it with your friends and family because it was so good or so bad? You, my friend, are not alone. Welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast. what's up guys welcome back to the midnight watch podcast the podcast where we discuss the movies that we all love secretly love and love to hate i'm your host jeremy along with my brother josh and we're excited to bring you another fun episode heck yeah we are and spoiler alert we love spoilers here at the watch so don't say we didn't warn you at the end of our review we'll rate these movies in four categories number one did it hit its mark when it was released number two is it still relevant today, number three, for personal enjoyment, and the big one, number four, is it a midnight watch? All right, sports fans, we have a movie for you today that's as American as apple pie. That's right, Josh. Today, we're bringing it back to 1962 by way of 1993 to discuss a tale of baseball and growing up, and if there's something we all want more of in life, it's stories about baseball and kids and killer junkyard dogs. And so, without taking forever to get to the point, the Midnight Watch podcast brings you our breakdown of *The Sandlot*. Play ball! That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so man. trying to, so trying to channel Ham there. I think you channeled Ham quite well. I, I like immediately, I thought you were just going to be like, "Play ball," and then, <laughs> then you did the whole like, <laughs> "That was great." All right, let's jump right into it. So this movie came out in 1993, and it actually did really good. I'm trying to find my notes right now. I totally lost the notes. Where the frick are my notes? Oh no! Uh, oh, there. Yeah, you go. I don't. I don't. I just remember this movie being huge when it came out. So maybe that's yeah. just being a kid and liking it so much, but it makes sense. Well, actually, I did. I was okay. So I was really interested in this because you and me are coming at this movie from two different points of views and i'm excited because it's got it makes it makes it more exciting that's why i'm excited <laughs> 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 it's good to be so, excited man it's good to be excited <laughs> so um this movie had a budget of seven million dollars and it made 30 34.5 million dollars so definitely a home run and uh, this was directed by david mickey evans and written by david mickey evans and robert gunter so that's that's pretty awesome this uh, i will say the director he was like a triple threat so he wrote this he directed it he's the narrator in the movie so he plays smalls is like narrating the movie this movie is based off that's, of that's awesome i didn't even know that i told i was gonna read some more up on the uh just about the movie and i never got around to it but that's super cool yeah that i was i was surprised at that he's got like the perfect 90s dad voice yeah. When, when you hear that, that's how I always totally. feel. Like I, that I should sound once I have kids. I gotta get the, get the high waisted <laughs> shorts, and hopefully that, that type of voice will start coming. Well, talk to Dad because he's got some for you. I have to borrow some of those yep. shorts. Right.
1: Okay, you're just you're like dead.
0: you're like right. <laughs> <laughs> When I was younger, and this movie came out, uh, it was a big deal. I was not allowed to watch this movie because there was swearing in it, and it was bad kids' behavior. Oh um, I do. You, I know you saw it, but I was like rebellious older brother Josh over there watching it. So you know, <laughs> watching those PG-rated movies. You know, right. I'm a, a back at home watching Gordy. You know, on repeat. Yeah. So, don't get me wrong. Not a, not a bad movie if you've never seen anything else. So. <laughs> I was wondering, how are you going to finish that? Cause <laughs> that's true. If you've never seen a movie before in your life, I'm sure Gordy is a fantastic movie. Gordy is... A it's, such like a, a K, it's like the Kmart version of Babe. Exactly. You know? I was trying to figure out how to work <laughs> that one in. Yeah, I was like, it's a B B-movie Babe. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyways, okay, where did you... How? Like, what's your story? How did you get to the Sandlot? So, I watched this movie at Michael McKenna's... 12-year-old birthday party. Dude, I for some reason I saw this movie like just recently and I was thinking The McKennas when I yeah. when I saw the, where we were going to review the, this movie. I i don't like I didn't watch it obviously with this with them, but that's awesome. Right. Yeah, we uh I think we went and played baseball like all the kids that came to the party and then we went home and it was a, you know, sleepover at his house and we had pizza and this movie had just come out on video. And yeah, it was awesome. That's pretty legit. I watched this movie 10 years ago for the first time and was horribly let down because I thought that this movie was going to be like the movie of all movies. Just it's been hyped. Okay. So some people say the princess bride is overhyped. This was my overhyped princess bride movie where I just, it had been, everybody's like, it's the greatest. It's a great film, you know? And if you saw, if I saw this when I was a kid, I would have loved it. But yeah. I saw this as an adult, going through older years of uh, trying to be cool and stuff. So I was like, "It's okay, you know, it's not bad." But right. I have different feelings now that I watched it again two days ago, and I'm cool. so I'm so much more mature now, so I can actually look, well, look, for sure. look back and see what <laughs> what I missed. <laughs> um, this movie, <laughs> this movie is starring in no particular order. Patrick Renna, Mike Vitar, Tom Guri. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing these, but whatever. It's our show. Chauncey Laparty, Marty York, Brandon Adams, Victor DiMaria, and Shane Obedinsky, Grant Gelt, Marley Shelton, James Earl Jones. There's one I know. Dennis I Leary, you. Karen Allen. Very, uh, I love Karen Allen, anything she's in. Um, Art Lafleur, Will Horneff, and uh, some other people, but those are the the big ones right there. What's the what's the synopsis (laughs) (laughs) the synopsis in the summer of 1962 brainy reserved oh and by the way this is uh from wikipedia uh obviously just written by uh whoever so um I can't say that I would have done any better I probably wouldn't have (laughs) in the summer of 1962 brainy reserved fifth grader Scotty Smalls moves with his parents to the San Fernando Valley where he has difficulty making friends He tries to join a group of boys who play baseball daily in a local sandlot, but is embarrassed by his inability to catch or throw the ball. An attempt to learn to play catch with his stepfather, Bill, results in a black eye. Nevertheless, he is invited to join the team by their leader and best player, Benny Rodriguez, who mentors him. When catcher Hamilton Ham Porter hits a home run into a backyard, Scotty attempts to retrieve the ball, but is stopped by the other boys who tell him of the beast a junkyard dog supposedly so large and savage that it has become a neighborhood legend. Many baseballs hit into the yard over the years have all been claimed by the beast, which is kept chained up by its owner, Mr. Myrtle. One particularly hot day, the boys visit the community pool. Michael Squint's Pallodorus has a crush on lifeguard Wendy Peppercorn and fakes drowning in order to get her to administer mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. The Sandlot team is banned from the pool, but Squint's reputation is boosted on the 4th of July the team plays a night game by the light of the fireworks and Scotty observes that although to the to the rest of them baseball is just a game it is Benny's true passion later they are challenged to play against a rival little league team whom they handily defeat To celebrate they visit a fair where they try chewing tobacco and ride a spinning carnival ride the combination causes them to vomit all over themselves and others one day Benny hits the team's only baseball so hard that he knocks the cover off. With Bill away on a business trip, Scotty borrows a baseball from his trophy room that is autographed by legendary player Babe Ruth. Ignorant of baseball history, Scotty does not realize the ball's value and hits his first home run, sending it into the Beast's yard. When the other boys learn of the autograph, they tell Scotty its value and make several attempts to get the ball out of the yard using makeshift retrieval devices, but each is destroyed by the Beast. Benny has a dream in which the spirit of Babe Ruth advises him to retrieve the ball himself and that this will be the moment that makes him a legend. Benny goes over the fence and pickles the beast to retrieve the ball, but the English Mastiff breaks its chain and leaps over the fence in pursuit. It chases Benny through town, resulting in several comedic situations and eventually back to the sandlot. Benny jumps back into Mr. Myrtle's yard, but the beast crashes through the fence, which falls down on top of it. Scotty and Benny lift the fence to free the dog, who shows gratitude by leading them to its stash of baseballs. They meet Mr. Myrtle, who turns out to be a former former baseball player who played with Babe Ruth, but went blind after being struck by a baseball. He kindly trades the chewed-up ball for one autographed by all of the 1927 New York Yankees. Scotty, who ends up getting grounded for a week for the debacle, gives the ball to Bill, and their father-son relationship improves. The boys continue to play baseball in the Sandlot with the Beast, whose real name is Hercules, as their mascot. Over the next few years, the Sandlot kids go their separate ways. Benny's exploit with the Beast earns him the nickname, the Jet, and he goes on to play for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Scotty becomes a sports commentator and covers a game against the San Francisco Giants, in which Benny successfully steals home. Celebrating his victory, the two exchange thumbs up. And that is the movie in a nutshell yeah so i actually i was really disappointed by the end of this movie i mean yeah the dodgers why why i was disappointed because the the dodgers won (laughs) yes against the giants (laughs) right i saw the giants throw i was like strike him out (laughs) (laughs) get him! get Get him! um but no they i they they decided that they were going to actually have a happy ending I mean, it would have been happy for me. I would have been like, "Well, I mean, hey, at least you're playing major league." But go Giants! So right, right, yeah. In case anyone doesn't know, we live, breathe, and will die, Giants fans. Yes, go Giants, go Giants. Josh In is L.A. Josh is a way bigger fan than I am. I um, <laughs> I am sometimes a fair weather fan. Um, so I guess. Uh, I don't know how to how to put it. I really enjoy the Giants. I just nobody talks baseball right now for, for where where I live, so it's kind of tougher sure. to stay keep the flame strong. But right, anyways, yeah, this movie though had some good baseball feels for sure. I don't. It's interesting because this I immediately like I have different thoughts about how to categorize this movie as a sports movie. I'd, I don't think it's that good of a movie, but it's, it's not really. It's like more about the love of baseball than the than baseball itself. And it's oh, about totally. kids growing up because yeah. the way that they they talk about Babe Ruth and just different stuff like that, you know, I, I they I think they did a really good job of capturing little kids that are just I don't know. They're kind of punks, but then when you get into the group, then you're like, you're in, and it doesn't matter yeah. what you look like or anything like that. Like you're, you're in, and you, you get a lot of crap, but you, you also know that these people are like in there for you. So right, they got your back. I think that to me, that's kind of that ultimate group of friends. That it's a hard group to get into, but that's only because they're so fiercely loyal to each other. And yeah, exactly like you said, and I think that kind of starts when you're a kid. So it, it seems kind of tribal and whatnot, but it does. It it does kind of continue, I think, into adulthood, too, sometimes with groups of friends that we find ourselves with. Yeah, and it's hard to stay friends with the people that you were friends with as kids just because, you know, everybody starts to drift apart and just because they, their interests change. You know, sure. you're, not, you're not focused to, I only get to play the, these kids that live in a half a mile radius of me. Right. I like how the two main characters, what was it, Smalls and Benny? The yeah. director actually had them rehearse their lines together for, like, weeks before, so they actually, the other kids thought that they were best friends for real when they came on set, because they met them all, like, a month later. Right. So that was pretty smart. Pretty it is. Really? I like that they're actually, they're still, those two kids are still the friends at the end, and uh, I thought that was pretty yeah. awesome. It is. I I truly think this is one of the greatest coming-of-age stories. Mm. Uh, and i totally agree with you it's it's about the love of baseball but it's really not a sports movie i mean Mm -hmm. you think about all the different things that happen in this movie and baseball baseball is definitely the backdrop but it's not you know truly everything you know about the movie it's just kind of the glue that kind of holds them together that that main interest which i think that's a big part of friendship in general with people i mean you're you're friends with people because of interest usually and as a kid you know definitely starts out simple like this but heck as an adult you know if i meet another giants fan we have something in common and you know we might hit it off you got stuff to talk about for hours so that totally makes sense right um let's see i got some interesting uh, got some interesting trivia here but i thought it was funny the the main actor smalls tom guy he was actually a really talented little league player in real life, but they actually had to teach him how to be bad at baseball because he's pretty good. And I thought I was like, "That's fascinating," because he did a good job at like trying not to looking like he didn't know anything about baseball, right? And because he does, he looks terrible. I mean, it looks like me playing baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, though. So yeah, and then also the other part too with Dennis Leary. I've thought about it and the fact that he's such a big baseball fan and they hit, they do, they hit on it a little bit, but it's like, why didn't he, they have him tell him like, Hey, teach me how to play. Like, I want to know how to play because the other kids are, I mean, I know they do. That is the whole point is they're, they're kind of awkward around each other. And then right through baseball, they become close. And so that's, that's good. But yeah, I was going to look it up before we did this and I didn't get a chance to, I wanted to know how much that baseball would have been worth for that. That 1927 oh, uh, baseball, right. all the signatures on it. I mean, I'm assuming it'd be like worth thousands of dollars. I don't know, probably more than that, because like Lou Garrett and all that. That would be fantastic. Because I know the Bay Ruth one alone would be really expensive. Right. So, anyways, I'm looking, it, I'm looking it up right now. Well, another th- and, the, and the answer is a New York a 1927 New York Yankees signed baseball that is in mint condition. With proper authentication, can sell for up to $125,000. Is that for, the, like, with everybody signed it? Uh, I think so. Actually, that might just be a... The pictures are of just a Bay Ruth. Oh, here, how about a Murderer's Row ball? Okay, this is a different one. An, an authenticated official says that a photo... Oh, wait, just a photograph? A photograph of Murderer's Row that was signed has sold recently for... Three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, basically, Dennis Leary could have retired after he handed in that ball. Right. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. Totally distracted by this baseball trivia. So, that, anyways, that is the. So right there. Anywho. Any that makes this movie fantasy. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> 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 this is a fantasy film, folks. Right. Uh, that's so funny. But Dennis Leary though is. I don't, it's so funny, like, cause he actually, you know, he's a big Yankees fan in the movie and he's like Babe Ruth and blah, blah, blah. But he's a Red Sox fan in real life. So the whole time he's probably like saying his lines and then as soon as they were cut, then he's like, gotta get those words yeah. out of my mouth, washing, you know? Washing his mouth out. Well, that'd be like us having to pretend to be Dodger fans. It'd be, you know, almost impossible to, to pull off. Right. I, my I would start twitching and I'd be like, right. K-K-K-K. Like the whole yeah. like weird thing going on, I yeah. might I might swallow my tongue. It just <laughs> could happen. You're just like trying to go through like Dodgers. Dodgers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, what's it? Just start. Just start dry heaving. <laughs> I know. It's a yeah. real thing, people. It is a real thing. Yeah, they call it the baseball heaves. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So you this movie though means a lot more to you than it does to, to me because you grew up watching this film. You said that you watched it multiple times. Yeah. I yeah, watched. It was, I hadn't really seen too many um I don't know new films at the time because I was 13 when this came out and I hadn't seen up until that point that many movies that had come out unless I was at a friend's birthday party or something like that because we just didn't you know watch movies like that and uh yeah so yeah God bless the McKennas I watched quite a few now and these aren't bad movies I mean the McKennas aren't are bad was they weren't bad for showing these movies to us we were just <laughs> We were just super sheltered. That's all it was. Them rebel Christians (laughs) showing PG movies. (laughs) I know. And I I was, dude, I was so mad that mom and dad loosened up as you and Joanna got older. (laughs) Oh. When me and Jamie were your guys' age, you know, we couldn't watch anything. And by the time you guys were, you know, in high school, you're watching Indiana Jones and Star Wars and all the stuff that was (laughs) super, super banned, you know, items for me (laughs) (laughs) when I was younger. Dude, that's true. Like, I'm I'm not really too surprised about Star Wars, but Indiana Jones is pretty intense for how sheltered we were. How we're not allowed. Right. We, I mean, dude, we couldn't watch Fern Gully. We had to like fast forward through parts of Snow White. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that it's funny. You're right. You guys. Hey, my hat's off to you, sir. Since we, you actually, <laughs> you braved the way. You know, you pioneer. You. Well, speaking of speaking of uh, Indiana Jones, and I, you were probably gonna say something about this later, but. Scotty's mom is, you know, Indiana or Indy's girlfriend in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Which um, was which was cool. And I like that they brought her back in Crystal Skull, whether you like that movie or not, like she definitely is the closest person I think that actually got Indiana Jones personality. She was like right there with him. It wasn't Indiana Jones and his love interest, it was Indiana right. Jones and Karen Jones. Like just she was just awesome. So Right. Yeah, really she intuitive. wasn't your, she wasn't just a damsel in distress. Yeah. Karen Jones. Yeah. Karen Allen. I don't remember Karen. I don't remember. Well, car- I, don't remember I was gonna roll there. with it. Yeah. If right. he was there ever to get married, it definitely it could have been her. Right. Absolutely. Her character. Okay. Um uh, yeah, the other thing too, right right around that time, I guess maybe when I was like eleven or twelve, I really started getting into music from the fifties oh yeah um, our other our other friends that we grew up with the uh, the dykes they had an old um jukebox like an, an an actual jukebox from the 50s full of um you know actual records you know a real authentic Wurlitzer jukebox and it was full of um uh just those little records of um you know 50s rock and roll early 60s so mm-hmm. I was really getting into that music anyways and then when this movie comes out and the whole soundtrack is just chock full of of stuff from the late 50s and early 60s oh yeah Uh, so that connected with me too immediately as well as um just the story and just kind of being you know in my in the 90s but still that that story of growing up doesn't really change and the things you try to experience and um so that was definitely something i think that clicked with me with that movie as well yeah i was impressed Uh, I was impressed with the soundtrack. I thought it was good. I think it was what the Drifters that was playing every time, they were showing Windy Peppercorn or whatever. It's Peppercorn. Excuse me. Yeah. Peppercorn. Sorry. Get it right. Peppercorn. Have, have have a little respect here. Excuse me. Sorry guys. <laughs> um. And then also I liked the 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 actual main soundtrack was really good too. Yeah, I was really paying attention to that too this time. It has a lot of really cool bluesy riffs. Yeah, it reminded kind me of, of going on. It reminded me of. Uh, monster Inc but I think Randy Newman did monster Inc and this was David Newman Newman, yeah David Newman that did the the soundtrack awesome yeah but I, I was like yeah, I was really feeling it especially when the credits rolled I, I I'm one of those guys that I'll judge a movie by like the first song that's in the credits because like it, I don't know, that can really leave you, it, it's the one scene that can leave you with a good, with a certain feeling when you leave the movie. So if it's like, oh, yeah. awesome movie, and then the credits go, and it's it's like, my heart will go on. And you're like, dude, we just watched Die Hard, like why are we right. listening to this? And right, <laughs> unless it's ironic, sometimes that's funny too, where well, you're it, just like, you're so Deadpool, pumped and then it's like, oh my gosh. but If Deadpool but I know what did what you it, mean. it would have been funny if Deadpool did it. Right, but this one though, like they have that music from David Newman kicking in again, and I was like, "This is good. I like it." it leaves you with like yeah. a fun. This is a very. I'm I saying this in the best of ways. This is a very '90s movie. I think this one is a trendsetter for sure. Yeah, and because it's a period piece, uh, I feel like it's pretty timeless. And and I obviously I'm probably super jaded, and even in 50 years, I'll be like, "Oh, this movie was amazing. It's such a good one." <laughs> and you know, it may not hold up in that regard. But I, I mean, period, that is the magic of period pieces. Um, unless there's a lot of special effects involved, um, they can kind of be timeless. And yeah. really it's cool. Cause any of the special effects that were in this movie are supposed to be over the top and fake kind of oh, homage to dude. Yes. Like the dog. Oh, the yes. beast freaking loved it. That it was like way over the top. Yeah. Uh, like super corny. I saw some cool yeah. behind the scenes, special effects. They had two guys in a dog suit that were doing that. <laughs> Right, Dude. but it's I mean because those are the types of movies that kids in that time period would have you know loved and been watching, um, mm-hmm. which that was another thing I was really into. The, I was starting to really get into those movies myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were talking about those Rocket Man movies um, a few episodes back, the, the serials from the '40s and '50s. Oh yeah. Um, so there are some of the movies I liked uh, that I was starting to see back then. Do you remember that movie them about the giant ants that? Um, I like, the 19, like the nineteen the nineteen forties movie. Yeah. Or 1950s, whatever. I never saw yeah, that, that, but I know what you're talking about. That creature features, you know, or like Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Um, I started watching uh, like the original Twilight Zone, you know, episodes and stuff like that. So I totally really? con- connected with what these kids were kind of experiencing anyways, because that's something that was kind of new to me at the time as well. So it just it was kind of a perfect storm for me yeah. personally. Did you of, look up everything? Did you huh? look up the Wolfman movie after this? Yeah, I you did. did. Nice. which was so cool i mean what are, what are the odds that i totally forgot about that scene right um that they show scenes from the wolfman and we just did just did a, bullet right i know i'm like dude week. we're like subconsciously connecting our episodes in a, in yeah. a weird way so, somebody's gonna make a youtube video of it it's right they're all connected all connected yeah i thought that was cool i always love it when they show clips from an older movie and except the things that I, I, I don't get, they didn't do it with this movie though, but it'll be like a newer movie that's PG will show like clips from an R-rated movie from the 80s and it'll show like super violent clips from that and they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's because it was on TV so it's not that big of a deal. I'm like, dude, like anyways, that, yeah. um, that's, that's a soapbox for me right there. I won't be <laughs> jumping on that right now let's see this movie was originally named the boys of summer and then apparently there was another movie that came out around that same time that was named that so they had to change it to the sandlot which the sandlot's way better name than the boys of summer because i mean the boys of summer it it works the boys of summer works but i would have thought of that what is that 70s or 80s song boys of summer i don't i'm I gotta I gotta go Google that after we finish this. Oh okay. It, this what uh, well, they said. The boys in my is, head. I always the Atari's covered that song, so I always think of their version of it. Oh, that's cool. I was thinking of the movie. I think the Kings of Summer, which is actually a really cool. Oh, h- right. indie flick. Yeah, uh, that came out a few years ago. Yeah, that was great. That was a good one. It's but, got that kid from Hannah Montana in it. That little mo- Moshi Moshi's. I guess. I, I don't w- know. I can't I've, think of his name. I didn't watch Hannah Montana. My goddaughter's not old enough to like that show. No. And so yeah, I missed my, out on my that girls one. <laughs> my girls, or at least Ryan. Ryan was super into Hannah Montana, so we uh that got a lot of play here at this house. Oh, okay, gotcha. See, I, I missed that one. I'm I'm sure that when when my daughter's born that we're gonna get on whatever we'll go we'll go see Frozen Frozen Four, you know, all that right. stuff. So <laughs> it's gonna be good uh let's see what other information we got about this oh yeah uh patrick run who plays ham for the whole trading insults one that we did so good at last uh, last oh, episode yeah. we were going back and forth <laughs> um that was hilarious they actually the director was just feeding him his lines while they were recording oh wow dude i'm i'm surprised at, like how good he was at coming up with insults like i was never good at coming up with insults like that when i was a kid No, you got to But some kids are, though. I mean, I think that's part of the fun as far as life experiences, like when you're growing up and part of growing up is, you know, trying out bad language or trying out these insults or, you know, some of the some of the stuff that he said. I mean, this is sounds so bad to you as a kid. Like, oh, my gosh, it's so such an insult. Right. As an adult, you're you're laughing. You're like, wow, that's hilarious. It's so cute. Right. But that's such a big part of just growing up at that point dude and some kids are really good at it <laughs> yeah no you're Their right creativeness so this movie i really feel like it did kick off a whole trend in the 90s of sports movies about kids because you don't see that as as much now and this movie they, they had like so the same year they had rookie of the year and then right. i don't remember when the mighty ducks came out but i think it was after this uh I was looking up while we're i want to say '92, which is before this, but my heart tells me it's after this. Yeah, and I think it was—I think it was before. Was it before? Dang it! Okay. Well, More we should. Lucky. we'll maybe More review lucky. that one sometimes. '92. '90. 90, dang it! Oh well, hey, I was right, but my heart was wrong. <laughs> right. And '90—the uh, second one came out in '94, so they were kind of, bang, bang, bang. Oh, the third one came out in '96. I don't dang. remember. Maybe I was too old at that point for D three. I didn't. I didn't yeah. ever see the second one or the third one. So hey, we'll do a trilogy one night. There we go. And then they also had like the Big Green, they had Angels in the Outfield. Right. All those, all those flicks came out. Which Ham is in the big, the great, the Big Green, right? And so this one though is the one that I remember. Little remembered. Giants. Oh yeah, Little Giants. Yeah, I forgot about that. So basically, you got a, you got a sports team. You got kids. <laughs> you got Misfit the 90s you <laughs> yeah. gotta have, they gotta be misfits misfits i mean bad news bears knocked that one out back in the 70s and then oh they, there we go and then That's... they had like what two 20 years before they were like hey we should probably do a movie with kids swearing and you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't have what, what was that walter matthew i can't remember his name matthew Wal- yeah walter matthew the odd couple there we go so what other stuff do we got about this this movie uh, well the thing that watching it this time and I'm sitting here watching it with my kids and just thinking about um it's a coming of age story and I just kind of started cataloging as the movie was going on all the different life experiences that are in this movie and and maybe some of it's a little bit more particular to boys growing up but i don't i don't think it has to be i think some of this a lot of these things are universal but just so many things that, that are a big deal to a kid and can really shape your life but um, you're probably gonna have to cut me off here in a minute. Cause I, I kind of went off on this little list, but you know, moving and it starts out, it starts out with, you know, Scotty moving to a new, um, new neighborhood, new school, and especially right at the end of school. And then summer starts, I mean, that's a crappy time to have to meet kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a good thing with school cause you know, you're forced to be around kids. So you're probably going to get to know them. Right. So you got the whole moving aspect, new friends, um, the having a new parent. I mean, that's a, that's a tough thing to, to get you know wrapped around i mean we never had to experience that but i think we definitely knew kids that that did yeah um you know learning experiencing new things for the first time you know really getting into something like you know obviously in the movie it's baseball yeah uh, pr- problem solving when they figure out they screwed up with the baseball and then they got to get it back and they also got to lie to the parents and so the yes. whole problem solving is is something that you kind of learn as a kid and sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't you get in a whole lot of trouble <laughs> that's true um You know, girls, I mean, or just just being interested in the opposite sex um, or whatever turns you on, I guess, these days. So, (laughs) right. But yeah, just experiencing that hormones and then just the different reactions. I mean, you got the little character squints who makes that super bold move and and, you know, fake drowning so he can kiss the girl that he's got a crush on. I mean, Hmm. but kids would do that. I mean, that's that's it's not that far fetched, which fun fact. I did see that the director told him the only thing he told that kid when they were filming that scene was keep your tongue in your mouth. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I did see in that scene that apparently they shot this whole movie during the summer and it was like 90 degrees and up like the entire time except for that day that they shot the, the pool. It was like 56 degrees outside oh my gosh so apparently <laughs> like you can i tried to see it i didn't see it but apparently you could see some kids like literally shivering while in the background <laughs> and like squints i think is even shivering at one part oh he but, is yeah which i didn't even think about that doesn't like when he gets out of the pool and he's when he's walking around to the deep side to climb up onto the uh the diving board and yeah. i always thought he was shivering because he was nervous about what he was gonna do i never that's so crazy he was probably but, just freaking cold he's freaking cold <laughs> so which that adds to the intense part of that so that's pretty fun right all right let me just finish up my little list here but you have you know overcoming fears you have um you know I, I wrote clothes make the man so you have that whole uh you know benny has to he puts on the pf flyers at the end of the movie and that's you know guaranteed to make you run faster and like especially when you're a kid you believe that stuff oh yeah uh, or you when, know, he gives, make, when he gives when he gives smalls uh, his hat and he's like get right. rid of that fisherman's hat right get rid of that ugly hat you're wearing and that gives him you know some confidence you know um trying controlled substances you know they're they're trying tobacco i mean kids Mm -hmm. mess around with that stuff um you know sleepovers obviously the bad language trash talk hero worship i mean there's your your heroes are everything to you when you're a kid whether it's a sports hero or movie star um anything like that the whole spitting thing i remember doing that so much when i was a kid (laughs) like trying to learn how to spit for one right yeah (laughs) not dribble down your chin when you're trying to you know hock a loogie oh man Uh, that whole scary story is just the independence of getting to run around everywhere you know running wild all over the place Uh, getting into trouble not thinking about consequences so there was just to me it was just such a quintessential coming-of-age movie especially at that at that time of life when you're kind of a preteen or maybe just getting into being a teenager and just I don't know it's kind of magical I think that dude, you got you nailed it. I think way better because like I didn't get half of that out of this movie, and <laughs> I think you did a great job though of like of kind of bringing it. Man, you should we should have talked about this before I watched the movie. Yeah, so, uh, but no, I kind of I definitely kind of was a little more existential. I think looking at this movie than just I don't know being clinical about you know the making of the movie and different things like that because you could you could totally get into that side of it as well. But yeah, it just it gave me the feels, man. Which yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. part of, that's a good movie is getting the feels. That's, oh, that's yeah. definitely something that is important. If you get the feels from a movie, you're, that movie is winning for sure. It's oh, yeah. doing its job. And the thing that's funny too is when they were doing the whole tobacco tobacco scene and they're like, "Get try you know, try out a chaw. And right. uh, I was like I was waiting for someone to be like, Give me a plug of that. But <laughs> they dude, like, okay, so have you ever tried chewing tobacco? I have not. I okay. almost did when I was uh I think I was fourteen. And there's a kid on my soccer team who who dipped, and at that time in my life, he was like one of the coolest kids on the team, and I was just like, oh man, I would have, uh, I would have tried it just to be cool like him. All dippers are the coolest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, well that's probably that's probably three quarters of the people I work with here in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> Got that cup? Is that Coke? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drink it. <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, I know. The thing that was funny though is I was I tried some chewing tobacco when I was like twenty, and so I was like smoking cigarettes at the time, and so I was like, yeah, I'll, you know, tried chewing tobacco. I tried dip and I didn't like it, and so I tried chewing tobacco. Dude, the pieces that the kids get like are massive so especially <laughs> if you've never tried it again or tried it oh before. i'm sure i'm so, sure like freaking what's his name the guy who has it who's like big chew he pulled oh, Bert- off like Bertram. like two quarters worth of it and <laughs> i had stuff like way less than that i was in a car with like five other people and we we're all like chewing up you know listening to cool music and whatnot and they're dropping me off after because i got off of work and they were giving me a ride after we we're hanging out for a while so, like, I started getting really sick. And I thought that, like, I didn't, that I'd be <laughs> were fine. You, were you swallowing it? No, dude. Like, uh, you're just. Just the amount of nicotine hitting you? Oh, dude, a lot. Okay, I might have been swallowing it a little bit now that I'm thinking about it. But, because uh, you got, it's really dry. So, you got to get a lot of, of your spit going there to get it really uh, okay. juicy. Uh, and so, yeah, I started feeling really sick, too. And so, I was like, <laughs> you guys could drop me off at the beginning of my neighborhood. <laughs> and they're like, you sure? And I was like, yeah, I want to want to just walk home and kind of clear my head and they're like oh okay cool man so like i'm literally like waiting to throw up and so they let me get out of the car i walk around the corner i see that as soon as like i get around that corner immediately i throw up and it's just like (laughs) and dude so can you can you imagine being on a -a tilt-a-whirl then Oh dude. For the, and trying that for the first time. Oh my gosh. That would have been crazy. Like and, I mean in that scene too, apparently the kids did actually get sick because it was like it was um what was it? Licorice and beef jerky was the mixture it was, to make the throw which up. Which sounds absolutely disgusting. Right. Too. Yeah, I know, dude. And yeah, like so, that's really the best you could come up with to look like <laughs> that's the best. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess they actually some of the kids did get sick and then they were like shooting it from these like gun launchers to get that spray that you know and I right. guess, yeah, so they did hit some people with it by accident, and that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's funny. Well, one thing I thought was interesting, I really enjoyed um, the editing of this movie, how it was cut together. Uh, I thought the pacing was really good, and, and the, direction of the directing of the kids is amazing. I don't know how much experience a lot of those kids had, but there's this very cool, um, I don't know, just innocence about them, and I feel like they captured that really well. And not to say that these kids weren't good actors or anything, but I think the directing went really well on that yeah I agree it's hard to I okay I don't I don't know this is me just assuming but I, I would assume it'd be hard to direct a bunch of kids to get on their marks and do other things like that and yeah I was very and, impressed and make by it feel it. Na- and make it feel natural like right. it's not forced because you definitely see that in some movies with kids and it's just it just feels awkward or forced is more of the word right and I know a lot and of these people- these kids genuinely look like they're having fun oh and yeah they, the... The director the fun factor is high. The director said that he that uh, the kids had like the time of their lives. They thought it was like the best summer of their lives because they shot this movie in forty two days, which is pretty short. Yeah, but yeah, because I know most people when they think of like kids movies, kids acting and stuff, they're like the Goonies, you know, like great right. acting that. Which, um, and this movie though I, has really good acting from a lot of kids and only kids for a majority of this movie. Right, I and mean, even if they had to feed the kids lines. I think that's maybe where the editing just kind of came in really well because there's a lot of, there's a lot of times there's fast cuts between what, what the kids say or their reactions and whatnot. So whether or not they did, like I said, had to feed them the lines, it just, it totally works. And I was watching a little featurette um, mm-hmm. that was on the DVD or whatever. And yeah, these kids are just having a blast and they're just showing them horsing around and like, especially kids that really didn't know each other before this. I mean, they really click. So yeah, it must've been an awesome vibe on that set dude i agree like it it did it just looked it just looked fun i think my favorite character was yeah yeah because he's just like so hyper and he's like yeah 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 <laughs> i gotta do this and oh, i was yeah. just like dude i know i had friends like that i was not the yeah yeah kid but that that yeah he was my favorite character i think and that's such a such a fun collection of kids i mean i feel like that grabbed a really good demographic of the types of kids that you know we all might have known growing up right had as friends right no i totally agree and i thought it was cool that i felt like benny the the born leader or whatever was immediately was nice to that kid and stuff and so i thought it right. was pretty cool i know the director rewrote some of like apparently his the whole part with the the bull mastiff was his brother had to go over a fence when he was a kid and get a ball and the dog actually bit him and so they changed all wow. that so yeah yeah Oh, and I, and I had this thought, too. I remember when you were a kid and a dog bit you. Like, it was a big dog or something. Yeah, well, and, yeah, he jumped on me and knocked me down. Or jumped on you. And that right, and me. I, yeah. you, were, you were scared of dogs for a long time. And I just remember it was funny to me when you, as an adult, when, you know, you met your wife, um, when you guys were dating, and she had a dog. And all of a sudden, you were just, like, all about this dog, which I thought was so crazy. Well, not even, I guess even before that, when you guys mm-hmm. got Mandy
1: yeah um, when dad, I, I had moved yeah. out
0: and then you guys got um what kind of dog was she oh uh, she was an australian shepherd mix yeah but you you definitely bonded with her but up until that point and then especially like you know when you when you ended up being you know getting pug mm-hmm. uh, i was just so surprised because you were terrified of dogs for for a while there yeah still um my dog still scares me <laughs> 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 but uh, well, that's for a whole other reason. Put that down, you, know, you son of a- No. <laughs> that's, my, that's my third pair of shoes this week. <laughs> you know? Um, but anyways, yes, I have yelled in anger towards my, my dogs, but I do, I do love my dogs. And it's funny, though. You're right, though. That, 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 that dog did scare me for like 10 years, probably, something like that. But yeah, something that... I mean, because things that happen to you when you're a kid, you know, fears like that can absolutely affect you the rest of your life. I mean, really mess with your psyche. It's just, it's incredible. So, you yeah. know, the things that we blow up as kids, you know, it's something that's such a big, scary thing. You know, they obviously overcame it and it's, a, it's, a, you know, the dog becomes their mascot and it ends up being a, a sweet moment. But right. yeah, for a lot of kids, I mean, that something like that happens and that scars you. you know, oh for yeah. Life. Like thinking about it now, just real quick, the dog that jumped on me, he's just trying to play. Like, I know that now as an adult, but right. Uh, but as a kid, I was like, the dog's trying to kill me. You know, and like, right. actually, I don't even know what I was thinking at the time. I just was like, dog jumping on me. I was scared right. of dogs for 10 years. So, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure the same thing would happen if a girl jumped on me. I would be scared of girls for 10 years. <laughs> so, ah. <laughs> anyways, that might have changed a little bit once the hormones kicked in. Um, Maybe. All right. So, what do we think? What should, let's go into final verdict. Do you have anything else you want Absolutely. to say about this movie before we, before we? Oh, uh, well, actually, in? I do have one thing to say. Just out of my love of baseball, I totally clicked um, when when they meet James Earl Jones at the end, who's you know the owner of the dog. Oh, yes. Yeah. Being this super cool guy who's you know who played baseball and. Um, you know just you know he trades them the ball that he has it's w- you know way more valuable than the one that the dog chewed up um but then he just says hey just come hang out with me and talk baseball that is some that was one of my very favorite things in life is when i meet an older person who has loved baseball their whole life and they you know experienced baseball before i was born and the stories right, they have right. and baseball is just is such an amazing um conversation to have with people and there's so much so many you know good memories and um that people have that they associate you know good times in their life whether it was with a family member or their dad or their uncle or or their mom or you know either going to games or watching you know i remember seeing this happen or i collected that baseball card and just some of the best conversations i've ever had you know involve baseball and talking with with um you know older people older fans so yeah i totally i'm glad you brought that up because i had a uh, where i work um i have a, several customers that are uh, baseball fans uh, over the years that I've met different people that are like they have in their 60s and 70s and they're talking about the old school baseball stuff and I totally agree because it's like it's a family that continues growing and you're just yeah. talking about the stats the different players the times Um, I love it and yeah the fact that they talk about like the oh the whole point where Babe Ruth points out that's the points where he's gonna hit the ball and yeah. then he, he hits it and um, I had to I have to say this, too. Actually, I forgot about this. Uh, two things. James Earl Jones, unfortunately, I'm going to destroy the, your thoughts on James Earl Jones right now. Apparently, he hates baseball. So, oh. that was really good acting from James Earl Jones. <laughs> so sorry about that. And That's okay. Yeah. I was like Darth Vader. I'll get over it. No. I hate baseball. <laughs> no. Okay. Anyways. It's uh, not possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Um, and then the other thing is, uh, apparently they say like the bottom of the ninth is when Babe Ruth pointed out that shot. It was actually the bottom of the fifth or something like that in the okay. game. So whatever. Anyways, <laughs> like I said before, <laughs> this movie's a fantasy movie. It's not a right, you know, right. It's real, about the it's about the feels and the, the love and feels. the passion for baseball and growing up and all that stuff. It's Anywho. about the feels, man. <laughs> that's, anyways that's what I have to say about that. All right any other uh final words before we roll into final thoughts i mean other than the fact that it starts and ends with the dodgers i mean that that's that's really my only bone to pick with this movie so right if, if he'd have grown up a giants fan that just would have been the best movie ever made in the history of of movies yeah that's why that's the only or reason i don't do it the only reason i don't like this movie no I'm just kidding <laughs> um Okay, so this movie—did uh, it hit the mark when it first came out? Uh, I'm gonna say 100% yes. Like I oh, think, oh, totally, de- definitely, I, give it an A. Get, based on the numbers, and I just like I said, I, when, I was, when this movie came out, I remember everybody talking about it, and I feel like it never lost steam. Right, even and, today. And, yeah. People, as soon as I started talking about, like, yeah, I think we're gonna review the Sandlot. Oh yeah, I love that movie. Or blah blah blah. Then, right. I mean, did you know this movie has two sequels, by the way? Yes. I have not watched them. I don't really ever want to watch them to desecrate, you know, what I love about this movie. (laughs) Well, apparently Squints, the actor who plays Squints, actually came back for the third movie, which involves time travel to the 70s. So, yes, you made the right decision. Don't watch it. Oh, my gosh. I haven't seen it. So, maybe it's a great movie. I'm sorry, filmmakers. I haven't seen it. But I also (laughs) stopped watching the Shrek series after Shrek 2 to preserve how much I like the first two ones. So, right. So you got to do what you got to do. These are the adult decisions to protect your childhood would, memories. Right, right. Real, <laughs> real choices in life, people. Yes, you can kill hindsight. That's true. <laughs> um, let's see. All right, so yes, it's a. I give it an A for um, for back then. I guess we kind of answered the question already. Is it still relevant today? I give it a an, an A. I think anybody that talks about this movie it's very fond memories um they they've showed like did you you showed your kids this movie this is a good kids movie yeah and they like it i mean obviously probably don't love it as much as i do but they do enjoy it and i think because it's a period piece you're not caught up in like oh it's you know my kids would be like that's so 90s you know they wouldn't necessarily say that just looking at it um because of you know takes place in the 60s and it was kind of it was cool automatically when it came out, and it's it's still cool, you know. Looking back at the '60s, at least in that aspect. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I give it a, uh, yeah, I give it an A. It's a it's a classic children's movie. It's definitely a classic children's movie. For sure. Um. All right, Josh, what's that personal enjoyment? Actually, well, yeah, no, it's, go ahead. It's probably no surprise, but I have to give this one an A. There it is. Yep. There, there we is. go. Um. I'm gonna give this movie a C. And the reason I'm giving it a C is just like I enjoyed it actually more the second time that I watched it. And now my thought with thought process with this is like that might seem like kind of a low uh, spot for the, a low ball <laughs> for this. Yeah. I think though too, since like when I have kids and stuff, that uh, well I'm definitely gonna show them this movie. It's a good, it's a good movie, and so it's a solid film for me personally. It's not amazing, but then again, I saw this movie when I was an adult. I missed out on the train hype. So right. I, yeah, I get it. um Yeah. So, is this a Midnight Watch, Josh? It is 100% for me. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Um, Surprisingly, for me, it is... No, it's not, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's cool. I totally, totally respect that decision. I, I get why it wouldn't be... Uh, I'm glad you like it more now than the first time you saw it, so that's cool. Yeah. Well, I, I think I knew what to expect more, because I, I was expecting this, like, magnum opus, and it's... It's a good movie. It's a solid right. film. It's a very enjoyable, uh, good-feeling movie, like you said. It gave me the feels a couple times, and, um, yeah, it is a special movie. I'm So, yeah, personal enjoyment, though, I'll give it a C+, because I I probably wouldn't watch this movie unless somebody else was like, hey, let's watch the, this movie, and I'll pay you $5. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. It's better than that. No, it's, it's a solid film. Cool. All right, we got a Midnight Watch. Um so that's two for Josh. There you go. Man. Yeah. We're not going I out. I have two I have two watches, two midnight watches. We got Old Brother and we got the Sandline. Awesome. Yeah. So we got all You know what else we got? We got the quote for the next movie. Okay. All right. So um uh, I'm going to do my best here. Uh, so, no no disrespect to the to the director, but uh here we go. <laughs> mother. Oh god, mother. Blood blood <laughs> i had to look away from the from the camera i was like dude oh man <laughs> I, I might have been a little pitchy on that one i might have been elevating so. my voice a little bit i don't think so i think he nailed it i think did yeah. i did i capture the the drama of the moment i think you captured it perfectly yeah okay i felt it the feels man yeah <laughs> that's what i'm talking about all right, guys. Well, that's all we have for today's episode. If you want to check out this movie, uh, you can stream it on Stars. Josh, didn't you the Stars app? Didn't you say, Josh, you own this movie? I do own it. Yes, that's right. You should own every Midnight Watch that you anybody should own their Midnight Watches because for sure you're gonna watch it more than once. <laughs> so <laughs> I um, I rented this movie actually on Amazon Prime. Uh, definitely worth it. Special thanks to our sound producer, Jake Colvin. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you shared it with your friends or family or anyone you think that would like it. Yes, and uh, we'd love it if you would uh, subscribe to the podcast. We'd love some positive ratings on said podcast. And uh, if you're listening, that is on Apple Podcasts. Other, um, we're on a lot of other podcast uh, sites for the most part, too. Um, you can also check us out on Podbean. Yeah, we're also is, on... Uh, we're on Stitcher. We're on Google Podcast. Right. We're on Spotify. Spotify. Hopefully is we're, we're going to get this up on YouTube soon. Start yes. going that way. And uh, so, yeah, check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Please spread the word. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at themidnightwatchpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. You guys have a fantastic week. And as always, keep up the watch.